0: ESPN Radio. He's stepping down after three seasons in Tampa Bay. Defensive coordinator Todd Bowles being promoted to the head coaching job.
1: Bruce said he had achieved everything that he wanted to as a head coach. The thought of perhaps Tom
2: Brady retiring and then having their head coach retire would have been a lot for that organization all at once.
0: Bruce Arians loves Todd Bowles. Loves him. Coach Arians put this in motion even before Tom Brady made the decision to come back. Tom comes back and then he says, this is the right time to do it. ESPN Radio.
1: Every day is wild in the NFL. Today's just another one of those big signings. Coaches quitting. You never know what's going to happen, but we're here to break all of it down. Amber Wilson, Jason Fitz hanging out with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and of course, if You want to see how dashingly good looking we are? You can hang out with us on ESPN Plus. Also, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, Amber has uh, nobody signed or, or quit in the last ten minutes, so I think so far we're safe right now. Uh, so far, okay. There's, well, there's, still,
2: there's still time left in the segment. <laughs>
1: Well, through all of the chaos, specifically with Bruce Arians no longer being the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the big signing today, uh, Bobby Wagner heads from the Seattle uh, Seahawks. He is now a Los Angeles Ram on a huge deal. Let's get some thoughts on all of that and really everything going on in the world of sports with ESPN Sports betting analyst Aaron Dolan joining us. You can follow her on Twitter at Aaron Kate Dolan. Aaron, always appreciate the time. We were just talking about Bruce Arians. Now, what has his move done to the NFL projections uh, in Vegas? for him
3: yeah so it hasn't moved it you know crazily um right now we're looking for the bucks they're plus 800 to win it all they're right behind the buffalo bills a plus 700 and then in terms of winning the conference to so the favorite right now plus 350 the chiefs are the closest behind them at plus 500, but, of course, that's in the AFC. And then for division winner, um, they're minus 270, so people are, you know, that's a lot of juice. I wouldn't be uh, laying that on the Bucks right now. But, of course, I mean, Arians was such a good coach. In three seasons, he went 31-18, and 18, and I still think he did so much for the sport, and he'll continue to do that just in a different role. But the other thing I wanted to mention on the show today was that um, the season win totals for NFL teams were posted today on Caesar Sportsbook. And right now you can see the Buccaneers, they're at 11 and a half. So that's your season win total. They're up there with the Bills. Um, and then you have the Packers as well kind of up there. But they're going to be moving around slightly over the next couple of months. And, of course, with NFL free agency, and then we had the draft and so much other things going on. So you just have the option right now to be betting on those as well. But I think the Bucks have a good shot to, you know, make some leaps and bounds this season, and continue to have success.
2: So, Aaron, the offseason news in the NFL keeps coming, not just with Bruce Arians, but also now with the Los Angeles Rams. They have acquired Bobby Wagner today. Has that changed anything in terms of the Rams' odds?
3: No, nothing crazy that I'm seeing right now. Usually you'll see some of the markets locked up. So right now for the Rams they are 12 to one to win the Super Bowl 5, plus 500 to win the conference and plus 150 as the division winner. I mean I think the Rams they have such their defense is just so so good it's scary and obviously this addition is just making everybody even better on that squad. Um, I think they have a couple of free agents that need to figure out what's going to happen with some of those contracts but I mean the Rams have a really good shot at being great again so I'm excited to see them play this upcoming season.
1: We're talking to ESPN Sports betting analyst Aaron Dolan on ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson, Jason Fitz, your host. And uh, Aaron, I I see people freaking out whenever the win-loss totals come out. You know, everybody thinks like it's some great injustice to Mm -hmm. their team. Was there any of the win-loss totals that really surprised you?
3: There was nothing that completely jumped out to me on paper. I will say that some of the plays that I'm going to mention today on Daily Wager, which is coming up in just a little bit, I do lean the Packers win total under. I know a lot of people like to see them, you know, or excuse me, a lot of people like to take them over considering they have 13 wins in the past two seasons. But I think considering he's not going to have Devontae Adams and Adams, I mean, he led the NFL in receptions, receiving yards, receiving touchdowns. That was in the last four seasons. And I mean, in the last two seasons, Adams had 232 receptions, the closest prior behind him is Aaron Jones at 99 so I really think this is going to be a huge hit to the Packers so I'm looking at their win total under one that might be also and I might seem a little biased because people know I'm from Philadelphia but I do think the Eagles have the potential to go over their season win total because the NFC East is one just such a gamble every single season so there you have you know a certain amount of games there when you're playing in your own division and their strength of schedule is not crazy last year they had eight wins And in those eight wins, they played a tough schedule. So you might see something from the NFC East teams if you want to look at some of the overs there, just given that division's always so up in the air and their win totals are pretty low compared to other teams. So... That's the other one that kind of stood out for me a little bit.
2: Sports betting analyst Aaron Dolan joining us. You heard Aaron mention the Daily Wager. You can watch that weekdays on ESPN2 at 6 p.m. Eastern. Let's talk about the final four, historic final four coming up, of course, between Duke and UNC. Aaron, what about the plays and even the props coming out of that matchup?
3: Yeah, I'm looking at two totals for this game. So UNC-Duke, I'm looking over 151. That seems very high, but in two regular season games this season, they averaged 164.5 points, and the closing total for both those regular season games was 152.5 and 153. Now, Duke's first in offensive efficiency right now in Ken Palm, they're averaging 80 points in this tournament. As for UNC, they're averaging 83 points per game in this tournament, and I will say out of the four teams remaining, Duke's uh, defense is – the least greatest defense, I would say, out of all of them. Um, but I do think that this will be an over game, despite it being such a high number. I mean, UNC's cashed the over in 21 of 37 games this season. Meanwhile, Duke's cashed the over in eight of the last 10 games. So I think we'll see a shootout in this one, just because the defenses aren't that great and their offenses just put up a ton of points. Again, they've already met twice this season. I know a lot of people think, oh well, they know the game plan and how to limit each other, but I I don't see that being the case. The other game, uh, Kansas Villanova, looking at the under 133. So these two teams in the four tournament games they played, both of them have played to the under in three of the four games. And Villanova's style of play is just so slow; they're actually the 14th slowest team. They're ranked 345th in adjusted tempo, and that's not going to change going into this game. Despite Justin Moore not playing in it, that's just the style of Villanova. They always try to create those quality shots instead of pushing the tempo. As for Kansas, they will push the tempo somewhat, but I still think this will be a slow methodical game where Bonova will run down that shot clock to make sure they keep it, you know, within range. And I do think we'll see an under game. Both these teams are also trending towards the under.
1: So, Aaron, educate me because you just talked about all four of these teams and their tendencies, which is so important. But it's also the final four. And we talk about pressure on radio (laughs) all the time. So when you're looking at over unders, how do you sort of factor pressure of that particular moment into what you're looking at?
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like the common theme in terms of betting for the tournament is always to take, like, the first half unders or even the game unders within cashing as well, just because there is so much pressure. And it does seem that in certain situations when you're watching, you know, March Madness as a whole, players get so nervous that a team that's so good at shooting, you're like, why can you not make a shot? What's going on here? You know, they're playing on neutral courts, things like that. I think a team like the UNC and Duke, they're so accustomed to so many people being in their stadiums and wanting to see their games in this rowdy type of environment that I think – They will be able to get their shots up and they won't be as nervous. But you make a great point with pressure and things like that. Obviously, this is a totally different stage for some of these players.
2: Aaron Dolan, ESPN Sports Betting Analyst, joining Amber Wilson and Jason Fitz here on ESPN Radio. Let's turn our attention to the NBA, Aaron. Jason and I have talked a lot about who is the best team in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, the Eastern Conference is a beast in the NBA. (laughs) Who's the betting favorite right now to win the Eastern Conference?
3: Uh, it still makes me laugh. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are still the favorite oh, of goodness. plus 260 right now. at easier Sportsbook. sports, it's crazy to me. I, I've i been saying it all season. I'm like, at what point do they start moving them back? I understand they have Kyrie and KD and whatnot now, but I still think this is going to be a tough, you know, I don't see the Nets winning the Eastern Conference. I've said it multiple times and on many different shows. I think the Bucks are pretty good. The Celtics are really good. I'm a Sixers fan, but I don't think this is their season. I think they need to figure some things out and, I mean, the Heat are so good defensively. There's just so many good teams in the Eastern Conference, and I just think the Brooklyn Nets not playing an entire season together and stringing along those wins. I mean, you don't want to be in a play-in tournament type situation, and the Nets could potentially be in that situation. So I think it's still kind of comical to me that they're the favorite right now, plus 260, but that's just me.
1: Uh, the Bucs and Nets uh, taking each other on tonight. Remember to check out Daily Wager weekdays ESPN2 at 6 p.m. Eastern. Follow her on Twitter at Aaron Kate Dolan. Aaron, always appreciate your expertise. Thanks for hanging out with us.
3: Thanks for having me. All
1: right, so you just heard what Vegas thinks. The question is, what do we think? How does the head coaching change impact the Bucks as title contenders? Amber Wilson, Jason Fitz, we'll break it down next on ESPN Radio.
0: ESPN Radio.
1: Amber Wilson, Jason Fitz, you're listening to ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, series XM Channel 80. You're watching us on ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. Now the big news that rocked everybody that uh, loves the NFL last night is that Bruce Arians will no longer be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The question is, what's it do for their title contention? Because let's be real, Tom Brady didn't decide to unretire after retiring so that he could come back and win ten games. He didn't decide to unretire so that he could come back and go to the playoffs, and he didn't decide to unretire so that he could suffer through some element of finding a new di- identity. He came back to try and win a Super Bowl, right? So it raises the question of does this help them get closer to that goal, Amber? Because let's remember there's one wild rumor that is not going to go away. And this uh, this wasn't even a rumor. This is Jeff Darlington uh, a couple of days ago, ESPN NFL Insider on ESPN Radio, talking about Tom Brady and possibly, I don't know, a different team in Florida?
4: Tom, first of all, is building a home in South Florida and has ties within Dolphins' ownership and all those things. Uh You know, I could see Tom eventually being attached to the Miami Dolphins organization, but, you know, there's all sorts of rumors, whether it's the ones about him potentially owning a part of the team or playing. I don't know that those things go hand in hand, though. Uh, We start to get into some very technical conversations about salary cap implications when we talk about a potential owner playing for a team. So we're a long way from that. Uh, Again, I understand the conversation is warranted from the standpoint that it's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. But right now, for 2022, he's going to play for the Bucks, And then in 2023, you know, he'll be a free agent. But I would lean more towards saying Tom Brady will be in the ownership realm as opposed to the playing realm if it ever has to do with the Dolphins.
2: He didn't say no. He did not say no. <laughs> Right, I mean, You're I because right. it, it, Jeff Darlington was on. It was w- with me and Harry Douglas. That sound was from this past Friday on this show, and I noticed because we asked him, and then Harry asked him again. Harry kept pressing him on the topic because Harry Douglas keeps bringing up this idea of Brady to Miami, and Jeff Darlington never actually said no. Now he did say not this season. So he did say Tom Brady is going to be on the Tampa Bay Bucks this season. Well, heck he's under contract with the Tampa Bay Bucks this season. And why would the Bucks trade him away, frankly? Uh, And, and why would the dolphins want to, you know, mortgage everything and have to give a million picks up for Tom Brady for one season when they could just wait a season. But Darlington definitely did not say no, that it's outside of the realm of possibility that Tom Brady ends up with the dolphins, whether as an owner or whether as a quarterback or whether as both, which man, wouldn't that be wild? Wild, but I did wonder if this move in Tampa was somehow related, Jason Fitz, to this rumor where there's apparently this rumor that will not go away that Tom Brady wants to be with the Dolphins, that he wanted to be with the Dolphins before he went to Tampa. We know there was the allegation there that the owner wanted Brian Flores to meet with Tom Brady on the yacht, and uh, apparently, allegedly, uh, Brian Flores refused to do that because that would have been tampering, but maybe there had been a relationship there with Stephen Ross and Tom Brady because of their Michigan ties, and so maybe they had been having those conversations in secret, and there was always that interest. And so now you wait out his contract in Tampa until he's a free agent, maybe still makes his way down to Miami in some capacity. So if you're the Bucks and you know those rumors are out there, is it possible that you made this change with Tom Brady wanting this change in order to try to entice Brady to stay in Tampa? Or is it possible if you're Bruce Arians, that you're stepping down because you know Brady's out you anyways?
1: Uh, look, I don't think there's any chance you made this change if you thought it would tick Brady off because he's barely back in the building. Like, I, you know, I know that you could look at it and say, well, Brady would never retire again. Why not? I I mean, you went home, you, you spent a little time with your family, you realized that that sucks. So then you go back to work, right? And you come back to work and now all of a sudden your boss changes. And you're like, well, that sucks. Like, I mean, there, there is this moment of if he's sort of wishy-washy at all, they've given him, they gave Brady the perfect out to step back and say, you know what? I'm going to go back. My heart's not in it. But If he's not into this move, it's an easy opportunity to do so. So I would think that the Bucks would have had to have had some level of, you know, kiss the ring for the Pope and make sure that he's going to be perfectly happy before they do this. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it.
2: I absolutely agree that when you have any player of Tom Brady's caliber, when you have a player of Tom Brady's caliber, we talked about it with LeBron with the Lakers, like when you have a player like that in sports, then yes, you give him the deference at this point in his career where you definitely do not make any moves that he does not want made. Now, I think that in fact, he wants this move because of the timing of it. I think that there could have been a possibility that there was conversations there with Tom Brady saying, I'm only going to unretire if. That is absolutely a possibility. I'm only going to unretire if Bruce Arians is not my head coach and we transition to something else and maybe Bruce Arians says, okay, let's go ahead and figure out a backup plan because what's best for the organization is having Tom Brady at the helm. That is definitely a possibility here. Or if it wasn't a Tom Brady type of command, it would at least still have been Tom Brady involved in the decision where if it was Bruce Arians just saying, hey, I'm going to be 70 this year, I'm just kind of over it, I want to transition into a different role, I want more time for and for my family, and those conversations are had with the front office and with Tom Brady, then I would imagine the front office brings Brady in and says, hey, who do you want at the helm? And they were fortunate in Tampa. There are two coordinators there that were on the head coaching carousel, right? Two coordinators that everybody wanted to consider for head coaching positions. So two viable candidates in terms of predecessors of Bruce Arians that were right there in house. I think Byron Lefwich would have been too young. I think Byron Lefwich is, he's younger than Tom Brady, so that's kind of strange to maybe have that guy ultimately as your big boss. I understand he's his coordinator, but as his big boss in a head coaching kind of role. And maybe he also wants to continue to work with Leftwich in the relationship that they have in terms of quarterback and coordinator where they can sit down together and they can game plan together and they can really focus on the offense together. You give Todd Bowles all the other responsibilities in terms of figuring out how to run the team beyond that. And so then that way, Brady doesn't lose what he's comfortable there with Leftwich.
1: Yeah, but if I'm left, which that's going to tick me off, like, look, first and foremost, let me say loudly playing second violin is not easy to do, but he may not want to be second fiddle to Todd Poles, right? Like it's one thing if I'm second fiddle to Bruce Arians and I'm like, I get it. Like it's Bruce Arians and I'm still trying to work my way up there. Then you turn around one day and you come in. You're like, oh, wait, we're making a change. And you're giving Bowles the job? Like, we're we're presuming that everybody back there is like, yeah, kumbaya, this works out for all of us, and like that. If that if that entire organization has such an incredible lack of ego that that's how they feel about it, then kudos to them and tip of the cap. But I can't really presume that because, and I don't mean ego in a bad way. I just mean like there are there has to be this moment where you turn around and say, this isn't what I signed up for.
2: Well, I think it's easier to give the job to Bowles in that regard than it is to Leftwich. Like at least Bowles has been a head coach before even if it wasn't a successful run Bowles is much older as well and so he's much longer tenured in terms of his experience in the NFL Byron Lefwich I think probably would understand that hey they're going with the guy with the more experience who has the head coaching experience under his belt but it also simultaneously means even if Lefwich is okay with this decision in the interim it absolutely means that if Todd Bowles is successful there then Byron Lefwitch's days in Tampa are numbered, right? Because, of course, he's going to get calls for some head coaching job at some point, and he's going to end up taking a head coaching job somewhere else. There's only one head coaching job here that's available in Tampa. You can't give it to both of those guys. I don't think it's a knock on Leftwich that he wasn't the guy who ended up getting the job. I think it's a nod to the fact that Bowles is more experienced and that he is, frankly, the older and longer tenured candidate as well.
1: Well, Jeff Darlington refused to say no to the situation with Miami earlier. The question is, how does all of this change his take on that? We'll ask him next. We'll figure out what the future is for Brady and the Bucks on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Jason Fitz hanging out.
0: Rosarian's announcing he's stepping down after three seasons in Tampa Bay. Defensive coordinator Todd Bowles being promoted to the head coaching job.
3: He wanted to do this on his own terms.
4: This is a big, big win for Tampa. Not just short term, but long term.
0: ESPN Radio.
1: You're listening to ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson, Jason Fitz. You can also check us out on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, of course, and ESPN+. Plus. We need to get some expertise. We've been talking about Bruce Arians, what's it mean for the future of the Buccaneers, what's it mean for Tom Brady. We've been talking about Bobby Wagner, who, in case you missed it, you just heard in Sports Center there, has now gotten very, very rich and will be a Los Angeles Rams. So we'll break that down, plus everything else, with our our buddy ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Darlington. Jeff, always appreciate you, brother. Uh, so we played a little audio a, little, a few minutes ago of you hanging out. Uh, and you were on this show with Amber and Harry Douglas, and Harry was trying to get you to comment one way or the other on whether Brady ends up a Miami Dolphin. Uh, is there any chance in your mind that this move with the Bucks leads to Brady wanting to play somewhere else right now?
4: No. <laughs> I, can't, I can't figure this one out. So the two big rumors, both of which that are kind of um, – that are that are not right – are that Tom Brady's going to get traded to the Dolphins. The other one is uh, Tom Brady forced Bruce Arians out. So which one is it? <laughs> we can't have it both ways, right? Like, oh, we're going to ask force- you about both of them. We just figured we'd take one at <laughs> a time, Jeff. Yeah, I just figured I'd clump them both together. It's like I feel like a lot of people believe both of those narratives, that both can be true, and both can't be true. Neither is true, but both definitely can't be true together.
2: Well, it, it, I very... let's say he wants to be traded to the Dolphins, and so for the Bucks to try to talk him into changing his mind on that, then they unseat Bruce Arians and put in no. Todd Bowles because that's Tom Brady's guy. There you go. Bada-bang, bada-boom. I just made it all make sense.
4: <laughs> Tom Brady does not want to be traded to the Dolphins, and he did not force Bruce Arians out. Now the question is – how will this impact Brady and the Bucs? Because it not I don't think Brady's, like, banged up about this. I don't think he's, like, upset that Bruce has decided to retire, nor do I think it, he believes it'll impact his 2022 season. But it doesn't mean that, that, like, he forced the hand of it. I think they had a good enough relationship that they could have easily endured. Brady came back. Uh, he thought he was coming back to play for Arians and shortly after found out that that would not be the case. Um, so, I guess my point here is that Brady feels like he can win with whoever. He's okay with this. He's fine with the idea of soldiering on, and he will definitely do that in the Bucks uniform in 2022.
2: Jeff, I don't know how any of this, frankly, is actually related to the rumors about Miami, because it seems like, frankly, we're probably a year away from any of that being a conversation. But... Oh. You have to admit that the timing of this looks strange, which is why, of course, there's the rumors about the relationship between Arians and Tom Brady. Why didn't Arians retire sooner when Tom Brady was retired? Why now?
4: Well, he actually did I mean he he started into the process of calling it a career um several weeks ago, but ultimately they had to get clarity on certain rules about hiring Todd Bowles, which uh, pertain to the Rooney rule, which I know seems weird because he's already a minority candidate, but they ha- they basically went to the owners' meetings this year, to, uh, this week to get that clarification on how they can go about giving Todd Bowles the job without going through any kind of interview process. So they've sort of known, Tom has known when he came back, and it was just a matter of getting the clarification from the league. So I totally get why the narratives, why, why this happens, why people – try to piece two and two together when it comes to some of the logic behind each thing. But, um, but it's just, it's not, it's definitely not the case. Like, I really think it's important to stress that Tom isn't going into Jason light, the GM saying like, we need to get rid of Bruce and we need to, you know, do this and do that. Like that is, that's not really what's going on. Um, And, you know, as far as the dolphins are concerned, to your point, we could be having this conversation in a year again, and probably will in some capacity, whether that whether that's in in terms of ownership or, um, or whatever. But for now, at this point, um, he definitely. As soon as he came back, he made very clear to the Bucks that he was coming back to play for them.
1: You're you're listening to Jeff Darlington, who we're talking to, ESPN NFL Insider, Jason Fitzamber Wilson, hanging out with Jeff. Uh, you just mentioned the Rooney Rule portion of it. So, from what you're saying, they had to go to the the owners' meeting. To get clarity on how they could just hire Todd Bowles, would the clarity have been the same if Todd Bowles was a white coach?
4: Well, yeah, it actually would have been, which is kind of weird. Um, the Rooney Rule requires that you hire two minor or you interview two minority candidates now. That's expanded from the original Rooney Rule, and um, but after March first, you're able to basically bypass that, which definitely seems like a weird loophole that probably should be closed. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, they didn't have to. They don't have to comply after March first because the feeling is is that at that point, the candidates that would be available are not are no longer available. So I know it's super in the weeds and it's a little bit weird, but that is the reason why the Bucks had to prolong what was already Bruce Arians' decision. But okay,
1: so had they made the decision pre March first that this was the direction they were going to because it, it feels like there was some had to
4: comply, yes.
1: Right. So by waiting till after March first they avoid compliance. Is that a good thing?
4: <laughs> no, it's not a good thing. It seems like a weird loophole for sure. Like it definitely seems like something that should be closed. And I would have to ask somebody with the league on this and I don't want to like speak out of Turner prematurely. But to me, to your point, it feels like if you if if you wanted to in fact I saw somebody mention this on Twitter like the Cowboys essentially could fire Mike McCarthy today and just hire Sean Payton without complying to the Rooney Rule by the language that was put into place. So, again, I know we're going way into the weeds here, but it definitely does feel like a, a little bit of a loophole.
2: Yeah, a loophole that certainly just got exposed. Uh, let's right. transition to another team for a moment here. Uh, other big offseason news today. Bobby Wagner, of course, is now a Los Angeles Ram. What does that mean in terms of the Rams moving forward and the future of Odell Beckham Jr.? Is it safe to assume at this point that he's not going to be back with the Rams after all?
4: I don't know that that's the case with Odell. Um, it, it still it, – it, I mean, that could, they could still figure out a way to, to – to do everything. I mean, there's so many ways to manipulate the salary cap. I, the bigger concern with Odell at this point is matching his perceived value um, to, to the idea that he likely won't be available till the end of the season. So I think there's really no rush on it with Odell, obviously, given his health status. So I could see that taking some time. I don't think I'd completely rule out the Rams though. Um, Although, you know, I, I, I think that Odell, while he would like to, like to return to the Rams, I think he's also much more open to the possibility of going somewhere else as well.
1: Uh, I mean, quickly, I'll ask you then, I mean, how do the Rams continue to do this? Is this sustainable the way they're signing everybody and giving up their future in the draft?
4: I think the, the unsustainable part is the future in the draft component because, to your point, teams do this a lot. It's called cash over cap where you're essentially putting it all on a credit card But the problem is eventually you do have to pay your credit card, unfortunately, which I learned shortly after college. And that is going to be the case at some point. And one of the beauties of hitting in the draft with those draft picks is the idea that you're on cheaper rookie contracts. So combining those two things, yeah, eventually it doesn't feel like something that's sustainable for the Rams. For now, I guess they perceive it to be a window that they might as well continue to chase rings and figure it out later. But... Yeah, if if you're asking me, I don't think in a few years that we're sitting here saying, man, the Rams really have a dynasty here. This is not how you build a dynasty.
1: You can follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Darlington. Jeff, always appreciate your insight, my friend. Be well.
4: Yeah, guys, always a pleasure. Thank all right, for sure. Now
1: we got all of the real, like the very direct, real answers from Jeff. That most people are still rolling their eyes and deciding not. And like he's telling us the facts, and we're just like, I don't know if I am buying it. Speaking of things, people aren't know? buying it. Oh, I knew, I knew it. I could tell from the look on her face. I could tell she was out on any of it. Uh, the Yankees are still out on the Astros. In fact, they're still upset about this. Is a quote illegal and horrific playoff loss to the Astros. We'll break down what it all means next. Amber Wilson, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on ESPN Radio.
0: ESPN ESPN Radio.
1: Radio. Jason Fitz hanging out with Amber Wilson on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and the Yankees are angry. Still, uh, the Yankees GM is still upset about the quote is illegal and horrific, their playoff loss to the cheating Astros. I find that to be funny. He said, the only thing that stopped us was something that was so illegal and horrific, so I do. I so I get offended when I start hearing we haven't been to the World Series since '09 because I'm like, well, I think we actually did it the right way. Pulled it down, brought it back up, drafted well, traded well, developed well, signed well. The only thing that derailed us was a cheating circumstance that threw us off, Amber. Amber. My God, the melodrama here feels like it belongs on Bravo. It's
2: so horrific. I mean, listen, I am not defending anything the Astros did because, of course, nobody is at this point. But that's not—I could think of crimes that are worse. I could think of crimes that are more horrific, I guess, on the scale of the drama scale. But yeah, this is Cashman acting like that they have—they would have been somewhere had it not been for those cheaters. And I just don't have any. I just don't I just don't want to hear this like I don't I don't have any tolerance for this when we're talking about such a long drought for a team like the New York bleeping Yankees Jason Fitz am I crazy for thinking that this is not the attitude I want to hear from Brian Cashman it feels like excuse making to me and and we're talking about a season we're talking about a season what about all those other seasons what happened there Cashman.
1: Yeah, that's the part of it. It's not like this was the once-in-a-lifetime miracle shot for the Yankees to get to the World Series. No, this is part of what they do is part of their business plan. And I've got a buddy that was a major league baseball player that talked about the cheating scandal for years for players and the steroid scandal for players and how difficult it was for everybody else that felt like they played the game the right way. you know. And, and I understand that part of the logic. But none of us want to listen to somebody say, well, that would have been my home run championship if it weren't for juicing. I did it the right way. Like That's the person we legit roll our eyes at right now. So I super roll my eyes at a big, big bankrolled Yankees team.
2: Well, and again, we're talking about since 2009, like a drought since 2009 spans so many years. And we're not talking about an entire era here affected by what the Astros did. Sure, maybe it's more than the year that we know about. Like, I'm absolutely willing to believe that. But at the same time, 2009, Jason Fitz, there's no excuse for it.
1: Yeah, this was one of those moments where if it had been this miracle run of like St. Pete's, you know, in, in the March Madness tournament and you say, well, it was denied to us by cheating and we never got back there again. When you're talking about the Yankees, the amount of money they spend, the work that they do year in and year out, there's an expectation that they've helped create that they will be great. And if they don't meet that expectation, that's not on the Astros. That's, in fact, on the New York Yankees. Oh, I am here for all the Kenny Loggins that's suddenly happening on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you. We're also on the ESPN app, series, XM, channel eighty, and of course ESPN Plus. Big Top Gun fan, Amber? Do you, or, 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 where are you on on this? Because uh, I like the movie. It. Go ahead.
2: Well, no, I mean, I. what else do you want, you want me to
1: expand on no, I mean, on the Top way Gun? you said I like it says everything. You're like, I like it. But- I
2: like it. Or, you know, it reminds me of, like, my childhood, right? I'm an 80s baby. I, I don't know if uh, – does it hold up? I haven't seen Top Gun in – so many years. Is that a movie that holds up?
1: I, I don't know. I, the soundtrack holds up and Footloose like Kenny Loggins special for me. I'm not going to lie about that. I'm not in for Top Gun 2, though. Like whatever Top Gun was like, I, you take such a risk when you di- when you dive back into that catalog. Like I went in and tried to watch Fraggle Rock, which when I was a kid was great when I'm an adult. Was not okay, so I'm just saying it can stay down in Fraggle Rock. Compare
2: Top Gun to Fraggle Rock. I mean, well, Fraggle Rock was a delight when
1: I was a kid growing up. You know, I've given you a Voltron reference, a Fraggle Rock reference. Like I am definitely in my mid 40s. Guy feels today. That's that is a a true thing that is happening. And I don't I don't know why Amber Wilson, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, Bruce Arians retired. Uh, He's not going to be the coach of the Buccaneers anymore. Has everybody fired up? Don in Maui. Don, thanks for calling the show. What do you got? Hey, what's
0: up? Um, I just hear everybody talking about you know the situation in Tampa Bay and kind of bewildered on all the decisions and everything. And I kind of started looking at it from the other way. I think maybe you know Tom Brady he, he had record numbers these this past couple of years for himself, and and I don't think he would want to step away from that unless there was a reason. So I, I think maybe his relationship with Arians kind of allowed him to step away. You know, he's Tom Brady he doesn't really have to deal with anything from anybody. So He's proven it all. I mean, he he runs the team pretty much. And I think, you know, once he was away, then Arian starts realizing what he's got and and kind of the legacy that he's going to be leaving. And he realized that he wasn't going to be, you know, they, they were going to have a hard time the next couple of years, you know, rebuilding and stuff like that, trying to find a quarterback. So I think that, you know, it was kind of a, Arian's, you know, I don't know that he forced him away, but he just didn't, you know, Brady's just really want to deal with that relationship anymore. And then once Arians realized what he had to deal with, then he goes, well, I can either be a coach of a crappy team or I can step away. And, you know, they give the, 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 the coaching position to Bowles. And I, I think Bowles is a better coach for Brady. I, I mean, I'm, just from what I've heard, I think he's a little more accountability oriented doesn't scream and yell at guys. You know, he's, He's a little bit, you know, maybe maybe a little bit more like Belichick in, in his in his, his delivery and the way that he works. So, I just don't think that you know Brady would make a decision to come back and play without knowing all of these things beforehand, knowing that knowing that Arians was going to be out, Bowles was coming in in such but a short time. I think it's all let, part let of the process, you. and it's just kind of kind of behind the scenes a little bit.
1: Don, I got to ask you, if everything you just said about Bruce Aarons is true and he discovered without Tom Brady that it was going to be really difficult, why quit when Brady comes back? Why not go through? They were Super Bowl favorites, one of the one of the better teams in the NFC. Why not ride this year out and hand bowls the job next year?
0: Well, I think that, um, I mean, he's, he's got his legacy. He's got everything that he needs to, that he's trying to leave behind in himself. I mean, they're all... They're all, you know, they're, they're all uh, selfish as, you know, professional athletes and, and whatever. They're, they're selfish to a certain extent. And they always, you know, they want to they leave the best image of themselves when they leave the game. And he's, he's, you know, he's done some unprecedented things these past few years with his team. And now to go through a rebuilding, we see it with players. They don't, Don, I appreciate you. I'm, like, I'm going to uh, cut you off. We like got Wagner. Wagner didn't want to go through a rebuild.
1: We're, we're, well, Bobby Wagner didn't want to leave the Seahawks. Right. They chose to leave him. Yes. Uh, and and, <laughs> and Don, like, there's no rebuild this year. Like, Bruce Arians got his quarterback back. Like, this is a team that, Amber, like, they're on their way to trying to win a Super Bowl. Like, there is no rebuild now.
2: Yeah, I don't understand Don's position. And Don had mentioned a cruddy team, and I thought, what cruddy team? This is an excellent team, and certainly not a cruddy team once Tom Brady decides to come back. So if you didn't want to coach a credit team, it would have been while Tom Brady retired, if that's what you believe. I don't know why everyone's sleeping on Kyle Trask, but I digress. Okay. Uh, so I think that it doesn't make sense with the timing of things here. If Bruce Arians gets the greatest quarterback back in the history of the world, and then he decides to retire because because he's just so tired of coaching this team. I, I You know, I understand what it looks like optics-wise in terms of what Don said before that with the relationship between Brady and Arians. A lot of people are jumping to that conclusion here, and... They're going to continue to jump to that conclusion. Jeff Darlington was pretty emphatic when we had him on with us uh, last segment when he said, no, there was nothing wrong with the relationship here. And also, interestingly, it kind of sounds like something that Arians has been mulling over for quite some time, this idea of retirement. It's not crazy for a 69-year-old to retire and decide, hey, I want to have more time to devote to enjoying my life, especially when you're talking about that job. There's... That is far from crazy. So it, it maybe this doesn't have anything to do with his relationship with Tom Brady, and maybe Tom Brady didn't force this decision by any means. I do maintain, though, that Todd Bowles would not have been the choice without Tom Brady's blessing. I at least maintain that portion of it.
1: Well, and I, I that makes a lot of sense. I keep looking at the, even the concept of legacy that Don just brought up to us, and thinking about what's the best thing that you can do. Like if you think your legacy is everything to you. Did the way the Buccaneers lost last year did that make Arians' legacy better? I don't think so. And then knowing that Brady's coming back, like nothing this year. Like if they if they don't win a Super Bowl this year, that's not going to hurt the legacy of Bruce Arians. Like Bruce Arians has rings. Like his legacy is what his legacy is. The only thing that can happen to his legacy now would be improvement of it if they won another Super Bowl, which in a weird NFC they have a real shot of going to.
2: I mean, his legacy is already solidified. And honestly, I'm not even sure another ring would have helped him that much in terms of legacy. We're talking about overall legacy, right? He has Tom Brady at the helm. We all know it's possible. He's got a good team. We've seen him do it before. Doing it in Tom Brady's first year with the organization, that was something special. And that kind of also got us away from the conversation about whether it's Tom or whether it's Bill and that whole situation. But in terms of actual legacy, Bruce Aaron's legacy, he he doesn't need this.
1: There is almost – I don't know that there's any conversation more – swayed by fandom than the conversation about legacy for so many people like if you're right on the line with somebody not if it's clear but if it's on the line with somebody if they were a fan then it's like well this is absolutely obvious and if they're not a fan it's this is absolutely obvious like everybody has this this sort of divide based on the word legacy I think it's going to be like this triggering word for sports fans in the next 20 years as they try and figure it all out we're not going to quit talking about the drama though because the drama realistically isn't going anywhere you guys can chime in triple eight say es. ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. That's the way you get in on this house party that we're having. And in the meantime, did the Bucks make the right call going with Bulls over the other guy that was in the facility that could do the job? We'll answer it next on ESPN Radio.